Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cubs Corner, presented by Cubs Analyst. I'm Anthony Pasquale, and we've got a fun episode lined up for you, starting off with the fact that the Chicago Cubs have battled back all the way to 500. After 20 games in the season, the Cub- this Cubs team sits at 10-10, and 10, and since the last time we've talked, the Cubs dominated their home opener and took two out of three from the Pirates, then welcomed the Mike Troutless Angels in town, Won the first game, lost the second game, and the third game got rained or snowed out, I should say. Then that they welcomed, excuse me, they traveled to Miami and swept the Marlins, and then welcomed the D-backs in town and took two out of three from them. And they are eight and three since that poor two and seven start, and just like that, they're right back to five hundred. In the division, they are still behind the Cardinals, the Pirates, and the Brewers but they have the same amount of losses as the Brewers with 10. And I think it's just a great testament to this team and the way they're willing to battle that they've worked themselves back to 500 after a very, very poor start to the season. And that poor start to the season, we could dissect it over and over again, and it all came down to one thing. This team struggled to throw strikes and to get outs. And in this next stretch of 10 or 11 games where they've won eight of those games... Starting pitching has been phenomenal. Cole Hamels is 3-0. Jose Quintana in his last two starts has thrown 14 innings of shutout baseball. Kyle Hendricks threw seven innings of shutout baseball the other day, I believe. And he's back to his old form, and this is all without John Lester. There still remains a huge, huge, huge question mark on this Cubs team, and that's you, Darvish. He still has yet to look right in a Cubs uniform. He had a great start against the Marlins. He got the win that day, but he still doesn't look himself. He has the nasty stuff, but he can't seem to locate any of it, starting with just the fastball. He struggles when he walks batters. That turns into big innings, and he gets his pitch count up high because he can't throw strikes. And he he just... I've heard it on Twitter all weeks long in this season. He looks like a deer in the headlights. He just sometimes looks lost and hopefully all these rotation problems will be even more in the back of our mind once John Lester returns soon from his injury of course he injured it in the home opener coming around the bases and sliding into home and got taken out with some hamstring tightness he should be back any day now and the Cubs bullpen was phenomenal in that game seven shutout innings and has since been pretty good Brad Brock is still kind of struggling to find his command a little bit. And the two guys they brought up, Alan Webster and Kyle Ryan, for C.J. Edwards and Mike Montgomery have been pretty good. But Brandon Kinsler, Pedro Strope, Steve Ciszek have all been great. They sent Randy Rosario down so they could bring up Alec Mills for a little bit of help when Tyler Chatwood pitched yesterday. But Chatwood was great. Six innings of shutout baseball. And he could have gotten the win, but Pedro Strope blew a save in the ninth before David Bodie's heroics yet again gave the Cubs a victory. But back to that bullpen, they're looking pretty solid now, and they still have help on the way. Cedeno should be back pretty soon from rehab, along with Barnett, who are both pretty good veteran options that Joe could turn to late in ballgames. And Mike Montgomery just became the father of a new child, and now he's working back in his rehab stints to get back to this Cubs bullpen. So those three arms could really play a huge role in the future of this Chicago Cubs bullpen, without a doubt. 
But, of course, when there is good news, there usually is paired up with bad news. And the bad news broke yesterday that Brandon Morrow experienced a huge setback in his recovery from his shoulder tightness. Now let's take a look at Morrow's time with the Cubs. First half of last season, one of the best closers not only the Cubs have seen, not only in the National League, but in all of baseball last year. He was so consistent, didn't blow a save until late in the season. And then the second half started, had some shoulder problems, and he got shut down for the rest of the season. But the unfortunate thing for Morrow and the Cubs was he didn't get surgery until November. So he lost about three or four months of potential recovery just waiting to see if maybe he could come back for the playoff push. Obviously, he did not. We know how that season ended, and he finally had surgery in November, putting him on pace at best to return in May. Well, news from the Cubs is that May doesn't look too good for Morrow. They shut him down with no further news of when he'll be working back. Um, more setbacks with the shoulder is never good, especially for an injury-prone pitcher like Morrow, despite how good he was. So even though Cedeno, Barnett, Montgomery are coming, Strope, Ciszek, Kinsler have looked pretty good, we still don't have a closer. And apparently, we still don't have the money to go get one. Craig Kimbrell, one of the best closers I have ever seen, one of the best closers in this generation, is still on the market. But apparently his asking price is a little too high for the Cubs and pretty much every other team around baseball because I could see no reason why Craig Kimbrell is not in a team's uniform right now. But let's say, let's say the Cubs give him a blank check and say, we want you for one year, we'll pay you what you need. He still needs until about June just to work himself into, into shape with his arm and his throwing motion. So maybe that's not the long-term solution. But it, it's obviously in the back of Cubs fans' minds because Craig Kimbrell has been so dominant. We've seen him on the Braves and the Red Sox despite some playoff problems. He's one heck of a guy to have in the back of your bullpen. And I truly think the Cubs are at their best in that 16-17 range when they had Aroldis Chapman and Wade Davis closing it down because you didn't have to worry about who was going to come out in the ninth. You knew that you had a really solid closer that could lock down a ball game for you the Cubs don't quite have it this year Strope seemed to be a guy but even as we're saying that now he blew a save last night on Easter so enough about the bullpen let's take a quick second to talk about a bullpen player that got sent down to the minor leagues and Carl Edwards he's working himself to get his command back he's finding his motion because they told him the one he worked on all winter was illegal when he got to when he got into the season so Edwards struggled, they sent him down, and then he began receiving racist comments and threats on social media um, by Cubs fans or whoever it might be, and the MLB is investigating to find out and get to the bottom of this, especially so close to Jackie Robinson Day last week. And Edwards, I am praying for him, I hope he gets all of this figured out with the social media thing and that he gets his command right and can come back and pitch because we know that he has some deadly stuff. But let's talk about yesterday's game. Easter, heroics, give it to Javi Baez. This guy hit a triple and a double yesterday, ended up almost being two triples because of an errant throw. He drove in the first run, scored the winning run, and he has been everything the Cubs have expected to 
tally on to his season last year and more. Last year, finished second in the MVP race to Christian Yelich, who himself is on a tear starting this year, but Baez already with six home runs, doing it all on the base pass, playing shortstop. Might get moved to second in a couple of weeks, might stay at short, who knows. But Baez has just been everything the Cubs have wanted, and what Tony Andraki mentioned is he's been a great leader as well. He's been the guy that the Cubs can turn to when the media needs a quote after a tough game or, or in, the, in the dugout they need somebody to get them all together, it's Javi. And the best thing about Javi is he backs up that energy he brings to the dugout right onto the field, and all these players can watch him and learn from him. And I think watching Javi Baez really blossom into the player he is has been really fun to watch for a Cubs fan and for Major League Baseball. But enough about Baez. Let's talk about the guy who had the walk-off hit. Who else? David Bodie. David Bodie has been the clutchest hitter the Cubs could ask for, especially last year without Bryant. Walk-off grand slam against the Nationals. Another walk-off homer on Players Weekend. He had another walk-off hit last year. And his first of the season this year came on Easter. And Bodie singled, punched it through the right side to drive in Baez. A great piece of hitting with first and third in that bottom of the ninth inning. And when he went to go interview with Kelly Kroll after the game, she was going to ask him some questions for NBC Chicago. He said, make it quick, Kelly. I got to catch a flight. My wife is getting induced. We're having our third child. So great for David Bodie. Absolutely phenomenal story for him, battling all the way from the Myers for many years into the Cubs. And now he's locked up long-term with a five-year, $15 million contract. But even funnier, after he left, Anthony Rizzo kind of taking the role as team jokester, but he's a pretty serious captain, if I would say. Rizzo's talking to the media, and he says, I don't know if you guys realize this, but that's a Grand Slam baby. And nobody really understood it, and then they really thought about it. It was a little over eight months ago, almost nine months ago, when David Bodie hit the walk-off Grand Slam and then went home to his wife for date night. Just a kind of funny little tidbit that Rizzo pointed out, but nonetheless, congratulations to Bodie on welcoming a child. And congratulations are in order to Mike Montgomery for doing the same just a couple of weeks ago. This Cubs offense this year has been outstanding, averaging almost six runs a game without the likes of Bryant, Rizzo, Almora, and Schwarber hitting at all. Schwarber was really good at the beginning, but he's really struggled since. He's gotten, been the on the receiving end of a couple of bad calls in the box. He's seen his spot in the order drop from five to eight. Elmora hasn't been playing as much as he would like, even with Ian Happ down. The defense is still there with Elmora, but he's still struggling to get balls in play and hit hard. And then you look at Bryant and Rizzo. These are two guys I have the utmost faith in. I know a lot of Cubs fans don't. They say, oh, Rizzo will be fine. He's done this last year. Rizzo will be okay, but I don't know about Bryant. Maybe he's still hurt. Maybe Bryant's not the player we thought he was. I want to end that narrative right now. When healthy, which I believe Chris Bryant is, he's a top 10, if not top 5 player in the MLB. No question about it. He brings a complete asset to the game. Plays third base, shortstop, second base, first base, right, center, and left. He can play anywhere you want him to with above-average defense, especially at third base. He hits for contact, he hits for power, and he can steal bases. However, this season, he hasn't quite looked right. 
We've seen David DeJesus kind of break it down. He seems to be crouching a little bit. Instead of driving his pitch, he's just poking it to the opposite field. Well, he's getting a couple of hits that way, but he's not driving the ball the way we've liked him to. He's been the benefit of a couple of uh, wind-saved balls at Wrigley Field in the Windy City, but other than that, he really hasn't driven the ball as much as we would like. But I'm going to tell you, keep watching Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant will get it going. He'll start clubbing balls onto Waveland Avenue, and everybody will be like, oh, we knew this was coming all along. That's going to happen. Everybody in the Cubs organization, even Bryant, and then you look at the uppers in the organization, whether it's Theo, Jed, even Joe Madden, they all have faith in this guy. This is their guy. And trust me, just watch. Maybe he'll struggle for a couple more games. But when Bryant gets it going, watch out, because Rizzo's already on his way back. I believe he's four for his last seven, a couple of hit-by-pitches, a couple of walks. He's seeing the ball really well. He's hitting good. Once those two guys get it going, this lineup is going to be scary. And another great bright spot to the early season is the way Jason Hayward and Wilson Contreras has been hitting. Wilson Contreras mentioned in a great interview with Kelly Kroll from NBC Sports that last year he became a little bit complacent after the All-Star game, stopped working out and eating the way he should have, and as a result, his numbers really took a plummet in the end of that season. Well, this year he said he's not going to take anything for granted, not going to mess around. He's going to come in here and play the way we know he could. As Joe Madden says, best catcher in the National League. Well, Contreras has been just that. Hitting well over 300 this year with six bombs, driving the ball to left, center, and right, and putting together productive at-bats almost every time to the plate. Contreras has been somebody that the Cubs knew going into this season. We need him to play well if we want to do good. And he's done just that at the early going. And Jason Hayward, a lot of Cubs fans and people around the major leagues have kind of seen their sail, seen their ship sail away with Jason Hayward. Well, he's not the guy we paid for. He's a great defender, a great leader, so we'll take him for that. And then Hayward comes into this year, kind of simplifies his stance a little bit, and here he goes hitting well over 300 with some power, more walks than he's struck out, driving the ball solid to the opposite way. Jason Hayward looks like the guy we paid millions of dollars for. And if that can keep up, having him six or seven in the order, Contreras five, Baez an MVP candidate four, Rizzo three, and Bryant two, this team is not one to mess with. They are so deep, whether it is at third base with Bryant and Bodie and whoever else you want to put out there, Descalso, Descalso at second, Baez at short, Baez can play second and third. They have all these different position players that can play everywhere, and if their bats are going, this team can hang with anybody, especially with the way their pitching has been doing. The Cubs, like I mentioned, have won three series out of four, and the other one they split with the Angels, and this is going to be a pretty tough week. They're going to welcome the Dodgers, then they're going to travel to the Diamondbacks to finish that season series already, and then they're going to come back home and welcome the Cardinals for a three-game set. Now, this is as tough a stretch that the Cubs have had all year long, unless you're thinking Braves-Brewers, which is also a pretty tough stretch. Dodgers just took three out of four from those same Brewers, so they're feeling hot. Cody Bellinger might be the best hitter on the planet right now, and that's not a disservice to Christian Yelich. They're both crushing the ball. The D-backs, we just saw them. Not going to be an easy series, especially in Arizona, 
And then we're going to see the Cardinals for the first time and see maybe if they respond to Chris Bryant's comments. Weeks ago, we had Will Leach on here, and he said they don't think that they will respond to Chris Bryant's comments in any way because they believe they were nothing more than just a joke. But one thing to point out for that Cardinal series, May 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, I believe it is, that's right around the time that Addison Russell can return. Now, we haven't heard much news about Russell and his ongoing process of becoming a better man, a better teammate, and a better father. But we do know that that May 2nd area is right around when his 40-game suspension is going to be up. So it's going to be up to Theo, Jed, probably Joe, and the rest of this Cubs organization to decide, what do we do with Addison Russell? Do we give him a shot? Is he, is he ready yet? Is he major league ready? Has he gotten his at-bats in the minors and in spring training? Is this the kind of message we want to send our fans? What does this mean for our team, for our organization? Well, those are all things that I'm going to leave up to Jed, Joe, and Theo to decide. But what I'm going to talk about is the baseball aspect of it. And like I just mentioned, the Cubs are loaded with depth. Discalso's been great off the bench. Same with Bodie. We just saw Bodie with a walk-off single. Those two guys have been great. So let's say the Cubs do want to throw Russell into the mix a little bit. Who gets sent down to the minors? My first thought has to be Mark Zagunas, right? Has seen the least amount of at-bats of any Cub right now. Not really hitting the ball too well. Plays shaky defense in the outfield, so he'll most likely come down. But I think there's one name everybody talking about the Cubs is forgetting. Ian Happ. A guy everybody has five-star potential to come out and be a power hitter, contact guy, switch hitter, play great defense, be a really versatile option off the bench. But he's in AAA figuring himself out. So you got two guys that could potentially be fighting for that backup shortstop, starting second baseman, starting shortstop gig. Two guys competing for it to send Mark Zagunas down. Well, where do you go from there? Russell has a pretty good right-handed bat and plays great defense as short. But he hasn't really hit in the past two years, and he has all the negatives that come with everything he's been involved with over the past two seasons. Then you look at Happ and all this potential, but he's been struggling not only in spring training, but also in the early going at AAA. So it kind of represents this big, big question mark for the Cubs, and I'm interested to see how it'll shake out. Another news surrounding the Cubs is former Cubs ace and no-hitter thrower Carlos Zambrano is, is coming back to baseball in Chicago. No, not for the Cubs or the White Sox, but he's going to be playing for the professional team located in Rosemont, the Chicago Dogs. And Big Z, with an interview with David Kaplan, said he plans to make it back to the big league someday. He is only 37. Now, there is one thing I want to address around baseball, not necessarily pertaining to the Cubs, but Joe Madden did comment on it, and it's bat flips. It's let the kids play. I think that's a great narrative provided by MLB that let these guys bring their personalities onto the field. Let them play with passion, with energy. But I do think there's a line to it. I think Tim Anderson's bat flip following his homer against the Royals, cool. You crush the ball, you could be excited about it. But I also understand why the Royals felt so offended. He threw the bat right in front of the catcher's face. He watched his home run and jogged around the bases. Obviously, that's okay, but 
there's a, a lot that can really anger a pitcher in the opposing team there, especially in the third inning of an April game that the White Sox eventually lost. I think bat flips are great. They add a lot of entertainment, flair, passion, energy into this game that we love and that a lot of people say is boring. I disagree, but a lot of people say it. So let, let the players flip their bats, but at the same time, there has to be a line to it. There's a line where it goes from this guy's playing his heart out to this guy's being a little obnoxious showing up the other team. I think Major League Baseball is in a little bit of a tricky spot where they have not yet found that line. And there's going to be a couple other times where it's a little bit tricky when a pitcher throws right between the numbers of a guy that just pimped a home run. But I think it's great for the game. I think it even more brawls, as bad as they are and as risky as they are and dangerous, that's entertainment too. So if you want the bat flips, you'll probably get some brawls, and all of that will boost Major League Baseball's ratings, so I really don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I mentioned, the Cubs play the Dodgers and the D-backs this week before welcoming the Cardinals at the beginning of next week. I think this represents a chance for the Cubs really to cement themselves as an above 500 team and beat a really good team that they faced off in the NLCS twice, and that's the Dodgers. That's just about all the time we have today here on Cubs Corner. Once again, my name is Anthony Pasquale, and if you want to watch this episode, previous episodes, or future episodes, subscribe to Cubs Corner on Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and of course, Spotify. Thanks again for coming to the Cubs Corner. Go Cubs!